when we hit a valley, you know, a low spot, you can track it back to the peaks. We were so busy taking care of our customers and doing the work. We don't really have time to prospect and follow up with customers. Now you're paying the price. You're listening to Estimate Rocket Radio, the hassle-free online software for service contractors that keep your business running from lead to pay. We want your business to grow, so we make it easy to get your job done. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Estimate Rocket Radio. My name is Kathleen. I'm the Director of Sales here at Estimate Rocket, and I am joined by my very dynamic and super cool co-host, Chris Shang. Chris is the leader of education, engagement, and marketing at Estimate Rocket. Hey, Chris, how are you today? I'm really good. Excited about a very intellectual conversation about sales and backlog. Yeah. I mean, so today we are very fortunate enough to have Jim McBrayer with us. He is the owner and CEO of McBrayer and Associates. They're celebrating their 14th year in business, Chris. And he really does specialize. He is a sales growth coach company whose mission is to really resolve your revenue problems and execute your sales initiatives. We're talking with Jim McBrayer about backlog. This is a big topic in any industry. If you are a business owner and you're trying to think about how to grow, perhaps nothing is more important to you to get together or at least get an idea of what you're trying to do than backlog. This is signed, planned work that allows you the flexibility and the peace of mind to grow, to hire with some sort of safety net. Now, there are economies of scale when it comes to backlog. The further out you plan, you run into certain risks. But with very little backlog, the risks are innumerable. Jim McBrayer helps us understand how to think about backlog and how to value it rightly. Hi, Jim. Welcome to Estimate Rocket Radio. It's so wonderful to have you with us. Glad to be here, Kathy. We're excited to have you, Jim. I think people are going to be really excited to hear from you. I know that your voice is growing across industries, actually. Um, we know that you are an expert in EOS, right? That's correct. EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System. Entrepreneurial Operating System. We're hearing more and more about that. And one of the things that you specialize in within that specialization, because like you said, you do a lot of things and you coach a lot of people. Um, you emphasize folks on backlog. Uh, you said that backlog is even the best predictor of the near future. So what does that mean? Let's start with that. So we work with a lot of contractors, commercial contractors, a lot of uh, commercial paint contractors, concrete contractors, and they know the, the owners and the leadership team that one of the main things their banks want to know is what does your backlog look like? But it's it's important not only for your bankers, but also it's the number one predictor of what your future looks like. So backlog is pretty much work in progress. It's contracts that's been signed that hadn't been performed yet. It's, it's mm -hmm. that simple. And people measure that really in one or two ways uh, or both ways. One is an actual dollar figure saying this is how much that we have in mm -hmm. backlog. They also measure it on a time frame of saying, hey, we got three months worth of work or nine months worth of work. So again, it, it helps them schedule what's what's coming up. Hey, we need more, we, we need more help. We need to sub out more, or things aren't looking good. And in terms of revenue, if it's not looking good, you know, you got to put your shoulder to that. So starting in the beginning of the year, you know, as our, our contractors start a new year fresh, 
ideally, what would you like to have your different um, companies have for a backlog? You know, should it be 70% of their annual volume? How, how do you measure that? That's a, that's a great question, Kathy. And, you know, ideally, I know it's not an ideal world, but in an ideal world, you'll have that data. The, the actual contractor will know over the last few years, uh, what is that predictor come January 1st? Probably the most common number that we hear of those that do measure it, that are not mm -hmm. guessing, that actually have the data is about 70% to your wow. point. So that, that's kind of forecasting of saying, well, not just the forecast, but you know, 70% of our annual volume we already have, you know, we have the rest of the year to get new volume and perform that volume. Right. right? So there, there's some things, you know, the further off you look, it's, it's kind of like uh, we, we say it's the best predictor. If you're predicting the weather, you know, it's pretty easy to do <laughs> two or three minutes from now. I right. can be accurate, but you start talking eight, 10, 12 months from now, or a year and a half from now, uh, it's a little bit harder to predict. But if you have signed contracts and you have somewhat of an idea of when those are scheduled, I think one of the biggest concerns now in terms of the economy is people have some signed contracts and they're getting pushed. They're getting pushed back. It's like, I got the work, but you know, it, I got to work with a general contractor, perhaps, or with an owner, but now the owner is getting uh, cold feet. Don't know if they're going to pull the trigger or not. So just because okay. you have the backlog doesn't ne not necessarily mean you're actually going to get the business but it's the best predictor you got. Okay. Mm -hmm. And do you see that since you deal in a couple different markets, do you see that the, the backlog varying between commercial painting and concrete lifting? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you think about those two uh, specialties, if you will, contractor specialties, mm -hmm. the, the concrete people are, are one of the very first subs to be on the job and because of that and a lot of the concrete work is also new construction so you know people have a dollar values in their backlog early in the year that are not going to happen in that calendar year you know it's a year and a half out commercial contractors paint contractors are one of the last people on the job so they should be able to you know have that their backlog is going to come a lot sooner. Typically, a commercial paint contractor is looking at probably anywhere from 90 days to 180 days of mm -hmm. when their work is going to be performed. Okay. So those are quicker hits, if you think about it that way. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. It's a sales cycle, right? You know, how mm -hmm. long does it take you to land the contract is part of the sales cycle. But when you start adding to that, Again, the people that are first on the job in new construction, it may be a long time before you even start the job. Where right. if you're one of the last ones on the contract, it's a bit shorter notice, which is, you know, it's good in the sense that you got you got more time to respond. If your backlog is not strong as you need it, you can kind of look at your sales cycle and say, hey, it's 93 days. So when we start winning stuff, we're going to be billing it out in about 93 days. It gives you a better. Mm -hmm. Knowing the data is is critical to running any business and having a, a good grip on your business. And there's risks there. You mentioned work getting pushed out. There's the risks of not getting the work because you're booked out so far. We hear some people, we've debated this with other contractors and we are a big believer at Estimate Rocket. Tom Drost is a big believer in backlog. And we think that, like you said, it may not be the only predictor and there may be still, still some risks with it, but it is one of the best predictors and you have to be working 
you have to be working with it, right? I mean, to grow, to hire, because people are like, well, how do I hit that next level? How do I get that next step? Well, the only real kind of safety that you have is backlog, right? I mean, right. It just, it's just something you have to learn to work with to some degree, right? You got to know how to drive it. You got to know how to drive your backlog. It's not enough just to know what it is. Yeah. If you know what it is and it's really high, you know, we, we say, well, that's that's good. You know, our our initial perception of that is that's really good. Then it comes back to, you know, can you man that work? Can you perform that work? Right. And the other side of that is you're looking at it and it's not high enough. It's too low. And it's like, okay, what are you going to do? You know, it's it's not just take a look at it. You know, it's you look at it and, you know, what actions are you going to take? So if you think about it that way, everything kind of the way our mind works and running our business, the first thing we look to is our results. And typically, the you know, if you think about an income statement or a P&L, the results that we're looking to first and foremost are, is our revenue. And then we take a step back and say, OK, well, what predicts the revenue? Well, that's your backlog. Mm-hmm. And then you step back another step from there and say, OK, well, what? predicts our backlog, mm. but your pipeline. And so your pipeline is everything kind of in your sales funnels, the things that you you bid, you've quoted, the things that you're working on, but you have not won it. It's in your pipeline. And even when you think about the pipeline, I was with a customer just this week, a commercial paint contractor, and they felt pretty good about their pipeline. Their pipeline had about $20 million in their pipeline. But if you start looking at that pipeline, there's, we call them deal stages. You know, maybe the first in every every company can be a little bit different in terms of their sales process, but the typical first deal stage is uh, I got a lead. And, and think of a lead as just the equivalent of I have a business card or somebody right. a name of somebody. Mm-hmm. You think about that, say, what's the probability that you're going to turn that into work? Well, it's very, very low. You haven't even talked to the person yet, perhaps. Right. But, as you get a meeting, that may be deal stage number two. I actually have a meeting and maybe deal stage number three is a needs analysis. And kind of as you're kind of coming down that sales funnel, if you're thinking about it that way, it, you can actually go back and look at your data. And it's going to tell you with relative certainty, uh, what's the probability that you're going to close that work out? So as we went through that $20 million, we found there was about $10 million that we've actually got things, we call them opportunities, some things that we're actually working on that we think we're going to get a yes or no on in the next 90 days. Well, that's a far cry from 20 million. Exactly. <laughs> and I guess the key is data there, because if you don't have the right data, then boy, what a pretty dream you have of being a millionaire before you ever earn a penny. (laughs) I've seen that so many times too, but I love that you could work like with good data. You could work backwards from, you know, this is the revenue I need. Okay. Then the predictor of revenue. I love that backlog predictor of backlog pipeline, by the way, just, I know you already said it, but just to be very clear, pipeline and backlog are differentiated by what? So backlog is actually work that you have won. You have an agreement. Think I've got a contract. I, I haven't, I haven't done the work perhaps, and I haven't collected the money for sure. That's backlog. You know, once you've collected the money, it's in the bank. That's that's your revenue. Mm-hmm. So the difference between the backlog and the pipeline, pipeline, or these are the things we're working on. Now we have, we definitely have not uh, got a decision, yes or no. Mm-hmm. So that's our pipeline. Our pipeline needs to be much, much stronger than our than our backlog. And as you look through that, you say, okay, it, again, we can kind of put probabilities of, you know, when something first comes into your sales funnel, it has a low probability, probably 2% or less. 
as it works its way down the sales funnel, it's getting more and more steam. We're having more and more interaction. Probabilities go up. And so when you think about that, it's like, okay, what do I need in my pipeline, especially maybe in deal stages four or five as we're getting closer? Well, what's your close rate? And again, if you know your close rate, because you can track it and you can go back and it's not uncommon to have a close rate anywhere from 8% to 35%. Big mm-hmm. difference. And if you're sitting there saying, well, it's not a, it's not the close rate of everything, perhaps it's in my pipeline, but the things are in kind of deal stages, you know, the last couple of deal stages. Mm-hmm. And when you know that, it's like, okay, well, that's 35% of these last two deal stages. That's what I should be getting in my backlog in the next 90 days. Then that gives you, again, a grip on your business. And if you can take another step back from your pipeline and say, okay, well, what predicts the pipeline? Well, those are the actions that you're taking in terms of business development on a on a regular basis. Those are everything we've talked about up to now are really lag indicators. You know, we, obviously revenue is, but your backlog is as well. Is so is your pipeline. It's just we're getting closer and closer to the source. Mm-hmm. And then you know, what we're finally getting to is what are the actions we should be taking to drive that? You know, maybe it's the number of calls we need to make. It's the number of estimates that we need to perform, the dollar value of the estimates. When you can look at that, then you're tracking on a daily basis of saying, these are things we know that we need to do, the amount that we need to do, kind of the bare minimums. And now you've got a real good grip on your business of, hey, either we were, we were able to hit those numbers today or we're not. And if you're not, you know, why not? What, what got in the way? Because this is, you know, this is the most important stuff you can do to drive your business if you need revenue. Yeah. So, Jim, what are some of the things that you advise your customers when when they need to build their pipeline? What are some specific things that they can do to make that happen? That's a great question. So that kind of starts that put on my sales hat now. So <laughs> there's really three things we do at McBrayer and Associates. Uh, one is we do sales training. And we customize that sales training for each one of our clients, kind of using the process that they're already using and maybe adding a little bit to that. Mm-hmm. The second thing we do is coaching. That's one-on-one, you know, helping people, you know, usually business development people, project managers, estimators, if you may actually have salespeople, helping them wherever they're meeting them where they need the help. And then the third thing we do, we've talked about briefly was uh, we're an implementer of EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System. So the type things that we we talk about is everything starts with understanding who is your ideal customer profile, who are the people you're going after. And so we, we kind of break that down to be able to say, you know, in terms of being able to understand that, you know, what are the segments? What are the niches? And then what is it that in terms of customer criteria that you're looking for? Mm-hmm. You know, not just the type of the work, but people that maybe perhaps value the relationships, the quality of the work, those type things. So once we've got that ideal customer profile, we kind of move into, you know, what are their biggest stress points, challenges, frustrations, and building that out. What we're trying to get to in this process is building out list. Mm -hmm. So what are the demographics? Those are the frustrations, challenges that, that our potential customers are struggling with. What are the geographics? In other words, you know, what's, how far will we go to get that work? What's ideal for us? And the third part of that is the psychographic. The psychographic is what did they need? What did they value in a subcontractor, whether it's concrete, paint, or anything in between? Mm -hmm. Once we understand what that is, and we understand those stress points, 
then we, we develop uh, what are your three differentiators? What are your three uniques? In other words, you know, your competitors uh, may possess some of the unique characteristics that you do as well, like maybe you're big, uh, maybe you work on a certain segment, they may do that as well, but they don't have the exact same combination of the same three that you do, that your ideal customer profile, that's what they they value the most. And from that, you know, once we understand why, our, and one of the best ways, by the way, to figure out why our customers buy from us is not to guess, is actually go ask the customers, because then it's a surprise mm-hmm. you. Rarely are we correct in thinking what they really value, but when they tell you, when they're using you and they're telling, which by the way, it's, it's much more valuable to ask your customers, the people that are using you versus the customers that did not use you. Customers mm-hmm. that did not use you are almost always going to tell you just to save face and avoid conflict price. You guys just weren't low enough. And that's not usually the truth. You know, so ask the customers that are actually using you. And they'll give you what your three uniques are. From those three uniques, we help you develop, customize what we call your elevator pitch. So mm-hmm. the elevator pitch is just you know, 30 to 45 seconds of you know, when somebody asks you, like, what do you do? So it's, it's not uh, real salesy. It just gets to the point of, you know, here are the biggest challenges. And here's you know, the three uniques that, that we bring to the party that's different than other people. What we're looking for is somebody to have that reaction of, Really, how do you do that? Well, that we'll probably need a little bit more time for me to lay that out for you. you know, can we schedule a time to? That's all good. I think it's it's good to kind of bring it out of the sky and kind of say, okay, what does it look like on the action side of it? Because everybody dreams of being a millionaire plus whatever nowadays, <laughs> billionaire maybe nowadays. We have to change our language. <laughs> yeah. uh, but only true millionaires dream of like what action items are going to get there, you know? So uh, you have a sense of like, you know, what direction you're moving, but I know how to actualize some of that. Um, so I love all that. Let me get back to backlog real quick. Cause I have this question for you. We have um, companies that we've talked to and there's this debate going that are, they're kind of walking the razor's edge of backlog where they're building a sustainable business, several million plus, and they have like backlog only out about two weeks. And I'm not kidding. I know this is maybe shocking for you to hear. Maybe you've seen some companies like this, but this is a real strategy of growing companies to keep a very small backlog to make you, uh, you know, the sales process go quicker when people realize you're not backed out for forever. You don't lose all those, you know, those bids and everything. And, you know, and they're talking about this being a sustainable strategy, which, we've debated that a little bit. What do you think about that? Is it a sustainable strategy? Are there certain companies that can make that work? What, what's your thoughts? I th- there's trade-offs. The, the trade-off behind having a really strong backlog is you're locked in. And which is really good. Like if they're locked in, we're locked in, we can kind of see what's coming. The, the trade-off to that is, and I'm talking in terms of time, you know, have a nine-month backlog. We, you know, we, don't, we can't really hardly work anything in for nine months or whatever it may be. Well, it gives you, you know, lets you sleep at night. But the other side of that is, you know, where did you price it? And now you're locked in on that price nine months from now. You don't really know what your costs are going to be. Mm-hmm. And so the shorter, you know, the backlog you have, the more nimble that you are. The problem with that, obviously, is well, what if you don't get something in week three from now? I mean, that's, you're not giving yourself uh, very much time. Well, one of the things that, that we coach on in, in every a contractor cannot necessarily pull this off. I understand that it depends on 
their ideal customer profile that they're going after, which by the way, and I've mentioned that a couple of times, the key to about your ideal customer profile is that's who you're pursuing with all your marketing, all your sales efforts. Doesn't mean you won't take something that doesn't fit into that. I mean, if it falls in your lap, if the fish jumps in the boat, yeah, that's not the kind of fish. <laughs> but we'll take it. And we'll take some of those opportunities. But kind of going back to my point of not all contractors can pull this off. We look at revenue and three different types of revenue. And one is more valuable than the other. So the most valuable type revenue that we talk about that you can have is what we call recurring revenue. It happens every month. You know, you can build a business on that. It's very predictable and you can keep adding to that. It doesn't roll off. It does eventually. I mean, if you understand how long a customer stays with you, two or three years, you know, very, very valuable. The second type of revenue is repeat business. So repeat business are usually their customers that they continue to feed you, like a lot of general contractors. Like they're a customer, but it's not necessarily you're getting something from them every month, but it's repeat in the sense that you may get several projects throughout the year. And then the least valuable valuable of those three different types of revenue is project-based work. Project-based work is one and done. And they, hey, that's great. It's a big project. We made a lot of good money on it, but it doesn't repeat. It doesn't recur. When you start thinking about it that way, it's like, is there, for, for some, especially commercial paint contractors, do you have some maintenance work? Do you, you know, most do. It's like, yeah, we got some guys we can count on. We have five painters that go over there every month. It's like, that's steady. Your margin may not be as high, but it's usually pretty damn good. That repeat business, that's where most people are trying to build their business off of. But those one and dones are the, you know, those are the general contractors that you chase and chase and chase, and you finally get one project. And you and when you actually do the return on investment, what's your ROI versus the pursuit? It's like that wasn't good. You know, it, it's not a good, it's not a good use of your time. So kind of going back to your original question, Chris, which was, you know, walking the razor's edge. Uh, you know, it's it's a balance of Knowing your data to be able to say, you know, how confident are you if you only have two weeks in terms of backlog that you can get something three weeks from now? And even with that data, it's like, well, what if something happens this week? But those are the things when we talk about lead activities, like what are the things we need to be doing? When you understand what your sales cycle is, if you don't do the activities that, that we that you determine you need to do to bring in revenue, if you don't do that today or this week, it doesn't affect next week. Next week's kind of already locked and loaded. It's affecting whatever your set is three months from now, six mm-hmm. months from now. Mm-hmm. So when you're when you go and kind of go into a a valley, if you think about peaks and valleys in terms of our revenue, uh, for most of us, when we hit a va- when we hit a valley, you know, a low spot, it's because you can track it back to the peaks. But we were so busy, we were so busy taking care of our customers and doing the work, we don't really have time to prospect and follow up with customers, then now you're paying the price. So when you have that right in front of you on a daily basis and a weekly basis to say, yeah, I know we can kick the can down the road, but it's going to catch up to you. It's just not going to be tomorrow. But once it catches up to you, well, then you're, you know, you're in that valley. You can't stay there for so long, whatever your burn rate is in terms of cash. And like you, you've given back all the profits you've worked so hard for because you took care off the ball. As an entrepreneur, we've all done that at some point. We've gone through those peaks and valleys until he's like, you know, it's taking years off your life. Mm. And coming back and saying, I got to get <laughs> yeah. the business where, where the business is working for me, me not just working for the business all the time. What do you want your business doing for you? 
And those are the type of things that we try to, to help our clients with is that peace of mind and knowing that, hey, I've got a really good grip on my business. I'm predicting what my business is. It's I got my leadership team and my people running the business so that I can focus on my unique ability. My unique abilities where I can help the business the most, working on the business. There's certain things you're probably doing in the business, but not trying to do everything. Hmm. Well, that's very interesting. I think there's a lot more there we can unpack. I also think just to kind of speak uh, respectfully towards people who are trying different strategies, it kind of depends, like you said, on a lot of factors. And there are some small towns that maybe have a more predictable pool of customers and the audience that you're reaching. It, it kind of maybe works a kind of a, a specific way, but that doesn't mean there's not other ways to do it. And that, you know, I, I still think there's value in saying, hey, this is probably what most companies should be heading towards. Like, this is going to be what will bring you peace in the long run. I think that's fine to say. And I I believe that we're b- big believers of that because we're, we are helping to estimate rocket people pull all the data that you're talking about that you plug into these systems to get more predictable, sustainable income and business growth. And th- that's what we want for people. We want people mm-hmm. to thrive and find that peace for themselves, for their families and to grow. And so I, I think this is the right way. Um, I think people could learn a lot from what you're saying and benefit from it. Can I ask you real quick, how do people find out more about you and EOS and the kind of contractors that you work with? A couple of different things. One, you can go to our website, which is mcbrayerandassociates.com and mcbrayers, M-C-B-R-A-Y-E-R. Or you can email me, jim at mcbrayerandassociates.com. Doesn't cost you anything to do that. But picking up what you're talking about, Chris, what we try to help people with so they can sleep at night, have that predictability. I think the one thing that they can take away is be more deliberate about what you're doing on a daily basis, not just waiting for things to happen, but understanding which levers you have and how, and then which ones you're going to deliberately be working on that is going to give you more of that peace of mind and you know, help you achieve the goals that you want to achieve. We love having you on. We'll have you on again because I think we need, there's a lot of things we need to go deeper into. But it's great having you here, and we truly appreciate the time you took with us. Glad to help. This is Estimate Rocket Radio. Join our team at EstimateRocket.com. Boy, what a pretty dream you have of being a millionaire before you ever earn a penny. <laughs>